from the virtual newsroom of Impact Alpha. This is your Impact Briefing for Friday, March 12th. I'm Monique Aiken. Today, I'm joined by Erica Seth Davies, a social entrepreneur in residence at Common Future and founder of the Racial Equity Asset Lab and Impact Alpha's David Bank. We'll talk about the American Rescue Plan and perhaps a bottom-up reconstruction. Hey, Erica, welcome to the show. Hi, Monique. And hi, David. Nice to see you again. It's great to be here with both of you. But first, here's what you need to know from the week in impact investing. Tomasic committed $500 million for a stake in LeapFrog Investments. Singapore's state-backed fund will become part owner in LeapFrog and anchor its future funds. LeapFrog has pioneered investments in financial and health services for what they've dubbed the next $4 billion, emerging consumers primarily in Africa and Asia. There were signs of a fundraising pickup as well. SunFunder reached a $70 million close for its solar energy transformation fund. SunFunder does blended finance for off-grid solar companies, again, in Africa and Asia. Off-grid electricity is key to meeting global goals for clean energy access. Inform, which supplies small vertical vegetable and herb farms to supermarkets, snagged $100 million. The Berlin company supplies the mini farms to grocery stores like Kroger and Whole Foods, so shoppers can pick their own produce. And CEI Ventures, an affiliate of Coastal Enterprises, a community development finance institution based in Maine, raised $15 million for its Good Jobs Fund, CEI's fifth fund. There's a lot of deal-making, big and small, going on in Lagos, Nigeria. Flutterwave, a digital payments company, raised $170 million at a valuation of more than $1 billion. That makes it at least the third African tech unicorn. Paystack, you may remember, was acquired by Stripe last year. And Raise, a crowdfunding platform based in Lagos, got some early money from Microtraction, also based in Nigeria. Crowdfunding platforms have taken off in the US and Europe, and Raise will enable people in Africa to back African startups in the same way. And finally, Impact Alpha took a deeper look at revenue-based financing in the United States as a way to bridge capital gaps, particularly for founders of color. The alternative financing mechanism is entrepreneur-friendly because it helps founders retain control over their businesses, but investors are starting to like it as well because it makes it easier for them to get their money back. Subscribers got all of these stories and much more in the brief each morning this week. So Erica, I'm delighted to have you here. And as you know, but others may not, we've been working together on the Reconstruction Project, the podcast that we launched in February. Full disclosure, Erica was one of my roommates in college. And Erica has been working a lot on narrative change and the importance of shifting in ways that really reframe. So the $1.9 trillion Rescue Act is being billed as a big shift. What's your take on that, Erica? I think it is an incredibly important shift and gives us an opening to develop a counter narrative to the one that has really dominated decision making about resources for far too long. Um, the way in which we talk about who deserves um, uh, resources is tied to some, I think, deeply problematic views on who belongs and who doesn't, um, who's worthy and who isn't. And as we've seen in the last year around Black Lives Matter, whose humanity matters and, and who doesn't in a moment where this is almost all about survival. Um, you know, we've lost 500,000 people in this country and this um, disease has disproportionately impacted Black and Latino and Indigenous communities. Um, and those lives matter. And 
the way that we talk about, again, how resources are deployed affects deeply um, what happens in this next stage of, of our of our country's history and in terms of the, the economy that we embrace. Absolutely. And the Reverend Dr. Barber says budgets are moral documents. And I think that's important. What does this mean ethically for where we are investing our resources? What's your take, David? Well, I, I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, the, the contrast couldn't be more different in this bill from, say, the 2017 tax cuts under the previous administration in terms of what segments of the population get what shares of the the benefits. And it really does reflect, as Eric was saying, a whole different way of thinking about certainly stimulus, I guess, but also just more generally economic policy and, and economics. And this is, we were calling it a, a bottom-up reconstruction. I think it's, there's the, the, the policy stuff, which, which you're talking about, Monique, there's also sort of, what I think, starting to become this investment case, sort of more broadly, impact investing and more broadly in what, you know, kind of what people have talked about the S, you know, in ESG, um, you know, we, we, we've been starting to call it, you know, it, you know, stands for share the wealth um, and that, you know, make making lower income people higher income and, and higher wealth is kind of the the good business strategy, you know, it's the it, it's the it's the risk mitigation strategy, obviously, but it's also a, a opportunity. Just bring more people into the economy, bring more more people into the into prosperity. It's good for families, communities, you know, and and that's that's the growth policy of the future. And this finally gets us there. So the notion that you know we've sort of got a diametrically different policy underway at the top level that's you know that's pretty exciting. Um, that you know we got a fill that vessel now with lots of activity and projects and and and, and momentum. But um, the, the signal is is unmistakable. The idea of, you know, to, um, Monique, to your original question about narrative change, um, like that actually shapes our reality. The, the stories that we hear and the stories that we tell, like that messaging, it shapes what we believe. And it's, it's all, it's an additional construct, right? Like this is socially constructed. And so if we can shift that narrative, we can shift reality as well. So um, it is not to be underestimated uh, the significance of the of that legislation and, and of the moment and how, how that is um, being framed. Just to, just to, to your point, I, I agree, Erica, because if, if you say budgets are, what, what, what did the Reverend Barber call budgets are, are, are moral documents? Um, um, mm-hmm. 1.9 trillion goes, you know, some distance towards narrative shift as well. So, um, budgets. That's right. <laughs> Is that our down payment on our final repudiation of Reaganomics and trickle down theories that we all, that we saw failed us in so many ways? Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say down payment is the right way to think about it because this doesn't get us all the way there, but it does. It does get your. It does possibly get you know sort of oars rowing in in a new direction and and sort of in the same direction. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily change the minds of the those who supported those policies as well. Right, and so it's it's a louder. Um, and yes, it's a down payment, but it's a louder voice. Uh, but it it is. We, we have to stay vigilant and, and keep putting the pressure on so that those voices that had a different um, point of view, right? Like that is just some people's view of the world around who deserves to have a, a living wage, um, who is, is deserving of uh, resources and support in this, this current economy and, and moving forward. Um, they're still there. So <laughs> we can't uh, forget that um, as well. But there are some people who have been thinking about how do we literally 
move capital towards justice for quite some time. And we've been featuring some of those voices and models on the Reconstruction podcast, covering some of that in the beat recently. Um, and even we had our most recent guest, Rodney Foxworth of Common Future, who you well know, Erica, um, talking about some of the work that he's been doing. I would take it one step farther and actually refer to it as reparative investing, um, because we have to acknowledge the harm that has been done over not just decades, not just over the last few years, but over centuries. When we're talking about accumulated wealth, which means accumulated power in which communities and what individuals and what institutions have those po that power and that wealth, we have to recognize the, the, the harm that was produced to create that wealth, to create that power. And so really reparative investing, restorative investing is really saying, how do we acknowledge that? How do we recognize the history, the historical context and contemporary context of exploitation and extraction and heal those wounds and then ensure that communities have the power that they need from a financial perspective? And so it really is about challenging norms around market rate returns. It's about challenging um, norms around what is a what is risky, what's a risky investment. Right. Those sort of norms and assumptions are really challenged by the idea of really restoring what was extracted from and exploited in a particular community and then providing capital, social, political, financial that ensures that that community can not only survive, but thrive and assert its own power. Common Futures work is just remarkable um, in terms of the networks, the deployment of capital, the generating new ideas. Um, and I'm really happy to be a part of that network and a part of that work. But um, even on his recent interview um, with the, the Reconstruction, he talked about empathy. Um, and I, I can't, certainly can't disagree with that um, and how that needs to be part of this conversation, um, as well as new ways of thinking about, yes, actually deploying capital. And um, if we know that the system is working the way that it, it was designed to work, um, what do we have to replace it with? Um, and so even talking about, you know, character-based lending, um, which uh, Common Future is, is doing some work to test that, right? Like, um, and to support that, that approach to, uh, you know, it's like the, the anti-credit <laughs> um, approach to, um, to, to determining where, where resources go. And again, in a system that has been structured, to actually deny access to those resources uh, to Black, Indigenous, Latino communities and entrepreneurs. So how do you create a completely different model? Um, it's not even tweaking the system as it exists. It has to be a new one. Because um, again, as soon as we default to what has been created already, um, it's, it's going to leave people out because it was designed to do that. I mean, we've been we've been trying to look at what are I mean, maybe this is the way to think about it, what are the kinds of businesses, I guess, sectors, um, uh, and, and sort of a business models and approaches, financing mechanisms that will sort of animate this this bottom up reconstruction. Um, just what you said, uh, Erica, about reparative investing and um, uh, character based lending is a good example. You know, revenue. There may be possibilities in revenue based financing. We've been writing about Founders First, which which is employing that as a way to get capital to to kind of mid-tier um, service businesses that don't have, again, that don't have 
collateral for traditional borrowing um, and with a particular focus on on black and brown communities um, and a whole bunch of kind of models that say actually um, optimizing and designing for bottom up strategies is the new uh, you know, the new path to success. And uh, we're starting to see that all over. So I think there's a lot of um, good work going on to uh, to sort of fill out the the mechanisms, the real sort of practical, you know, pathways and, and channels for capital to flow and prosperity to, to, to flourish um, around this reconstruction idea. So maybe reconstruction alpha? Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a, you know, another transition back to, not transition, but, you know, back to where this all started and the importance of um, policy and the political to just do this. Um, and so the the reconstruction that that came about through federal legislation that was, you know, was deter- like all of this is connected to policy because um, it's about power and access to power. But um, it reminds us of what the original principles of this were supposed to be um, and uh, how we can actually leverage policy, um, leverage the private sector uh, to create an economy that does work for all. So it's, it's exciting times, I think. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Erica, and thank you, David, for joining us here today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Make sure to check out our growing catalog of Reconstruction podcasts. Just search for The Reconstruction wherever you listen. While you're there, make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and share your favorite episode with a friend. That's going to do it for your Impact Briefing this week. You can read all of these stories at impactalpha.com. Impact Alpha's podcasts are available wherever you listen, made possible by Impact Alpha subscribers. Join them and receive the daily brief and full access to impactalpha.com and more. Podcast listeners get $100 off their annual subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing100 for $100 off. Thank you for listening. And thanks to Erica Seth Davies and David Bank and our producer, Isaac Silk. I'm Monique Aiken, Managing Director for TIP, the Investment Integration Project. Make sure to check back for next week's briefing And until then, take care.